All right, let's hop into the show. I guess you all can probably figure out that we're uh, we're fired up. This is the kind of fired upness we haven't been in a minute. That's true. Does be- We've got, as it says in the the old uh, thing that's still up there when we first started the show. Uh, what's it say? We have <laughs> we have opinions, and we're gonna give them. <laughs> yeah, this is. This is a classico Oscar bait. We're we're fired up, yeah. deadline open, and we're not just reading the funniest things that we might be funny to us, and maybe not to you as a listener. But we have yeah. we've we, it's a little hard to open the internet these days and be on social media. Um, yeah. Here, I'll read. I'll read that thing. Here it is, because it's a good way to start the episode. Also, I forgot that, that said this still on our show. We probably haven't thought this through, but we aren't going to listen to the cop in our heads. We have takes, and we're going to give them, with or without anyone else's input. <laughs> Lack of oxygen meets investigative reporting meets the guests you know and love meets fun recommendations meets hard-driven attitudes you don't want to miss. Welcome back to an early access episode of the Patreon Oscar Fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah so stupid. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're pre- we're still pretty stupid, but we're we're gonna try to try to act like we know what we're talking about today. And if we don't, then we're talking out of our ass in a completely emotionally intelligent way. <laughs> <laughs> So let's, just, let's hop into the news. We've all, we've been dying over here at the Oscar bait uh, offices, waiting to see what happens with the strike. We're, we're dying. Um, and like you, like some people are, we're just, <laughs> we're, we cannot wait to see what's going on. Um, oh boy, the writers have finally approved their deal. They have. The vast majority of the WGA membership cast their ballot. I think it was 99% of WGA members voted yes. So it was technically like 90 no votes. So the strides they made will come with AI guardrails, whatever that means, residuals, (laughs) rights room staffing, and data transparency as well as pay hikes. So... We will see just how transparent that data is um, from these studios because they're also starting something called the Streaming Innovation Alliance. This is a, a new trade group that is being put together by the powers that be at Netflix, Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Peacock, BET+, Plus, uh, something called Afroland TV. It's really, I don't know about you, but it warms my heart to see people working together from so many different backgrounds. I know. Telemundo and Afroland TV are working together <laughs> to diversify. Um, <laughs> diversify is consumer choices. What? I said, is that why BET canceled the sale um, to Tyler to uh, Tyler Perry? Because they were like, wait, this new alliance, we're going to be okay. <laughs> Sorry, bud, you can't have it. They're certainly not going to use this power to lobby the government to no. allow very loose restrictions of how they reveal 
the their streaming data or how they disperse payments to riders and whoever is invested because they now have uh, two DC leaders as their senior advisors. Uh, we got Fred Upton, a yeah. lovely never Trump or Republican. Um, it's kind of strange to say that the <laughs> Trumpers are the ones you should probably assassinate first <laughs> over the Trumpers, but it's the reality. Yeah. Um, Sorry, guys, it's just, but the Trumpers are a lot easier and simpler to uh, get rid of than the not Trumper conservatives. So, yes, the slimy little snakes. And uh, we also have House. Uh, U.S. House of Representatives, former FCC chairman. That's right. You know, we're your lover. The filet, Mignon Clyburn. <laughs> I really, I trust anyone who worked with the FCC, so. Well, here's what she says. Here's what Clyburn says about this new group, uh, the SIA. So, um, she says, streaming services have opened up a new era of progress for Program diversity, we love that. That is bringing relevant stories, note relevant, and options. There's the other keyword, options. To historically underserved communities at a record pace while opening doors for production jobs to people of color that have been shut for decades. Any policy that drags down streaming would turn back the clock on this vital progress as well. That's some uh, that's some nice I like to well I like to imagine um this will come up today but I like to imagine the SI actually stands for screen internment alliance as uh they begin to metaphorically mm-hmm. <laughs> build digital internment camps until mm-hmm. they can just do it again yeah <laughs> it's I mean the playbook of uh using putting diversity out as your shield is I mean, no one's going to care about this because everyone's, you know, this story didn't make big rounds. WGA was the only thing people were talking about. SAG is still figuring their shit out. Um, We'll get to SAG in just a second. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that this is something for all of our intrepid listeners to keep an eye on. Because I I think we're going to see some big things from this streaming alliance it's a yeah it's a thing i mean i just wish we had any precedent to look back on for this kind of behavior amongst uh ultra billionaires in history and wondering what might happen when they make alliances like this but unfortunately this is unprecedented never has happened there are no parallels to anything else so don't worry. I'm I'm personally going to be optimistic about it. So totally, and you should be because uh, the fillet mignon has. <laughs> uh, he's also spent some time working on the board at Lionsgate. Ooh. Mostly, their initiative here is over their worry that new regulations could require streaming services to collect more data or deter them from offering sensitive programming. Yeah, and they just think that these new rules... Right. Well, they think these new rules will threaten diverse and independent services the most. So, 
I guess, yes. Their big worry is uh, diverse programming and stories will not ever happen if we don't take charge. If we don't let the major studios sort of form their own lobby group to kind of restrict and oversee these streaming regulations. I mean, not to say that there aren't any more problems that need to be had with the studios and streamers. This is just the, the start of it. But who oh boy. So this alliance is, in fact, put in place to make sure that Fandor will once again make a triumphant return. Maybe. Maybe. They that's, got what the, we're, that's what we're worried about. Well, they got the Quibi <laughs> guy now working in the Biden administration. <laughs> oh, that was one of my favorite tanks ever. It's just fun. We love it. We love to see what's going on in the world. <sighs> We got some real fun stuff to talk about today, really, though. Um, that was just a little sampling. This is something we clearly really want to talk about. Like, I, I would love to spend all day talking about this next topic. Um, yeah, I, I this is going to be a the, the humor could subside for a little bit. So sorry to everyone. But this is a, a real fucking shitty world. And not that this has much to do with the kind of dumb shit we talk about on here, but it's a little hard to well, it ignore. Does. It does. It, yeah. So, um, so the WGA, we gotta, we gotta really be happy for them right now. As SAG lumbers along to hope to see uh, their sort of demands met. Well, mm-hmm. I know no better way to end people giving a shit about the strike than to do certain things like, let's see, the WGA. Here's the here's the headline. Writers call out WGA for not commenting on Hamas attack on Israel. They say the guild stayed silent. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, this is... Uh, in relation to other people who've smoke, spoken out. You have Mia Khalifa was dropped by Playboy for talking about the Hamas attack. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like we are starting to see uh, 9-11 too, or how we've continued to live in the shadow of 9-11. Yeah, no, they said, uh, the writers said that um, they are upset because the WGA has in the past issued statements in support of Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement. So now writers like, I don't even know these fucking writers. Mike Weiss, That's Amy, a cool name. Amy Chauzik, Ellen Rappaport, hmm. Seth Fisher. Oh, I know this name. <laughs> Eli Roth. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, he's on. Oh, we know Jerry Seinfeld. We know him. He's on there. What else we got? We got David Goyer, um, Josh Gad, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, but, but, but I'm trying to think of these names that we know here. Most of these idiots I've never heard of. Someone named DJ Nash. I hope that's an actual DJ. I think uh I think it kind of highlights everything that uh is wrong with the world and why we're uh just tumbling headlong towards the end of things that the outrage here is you virtue signaled correctly in the past. Why are you not doing it now? 
that's all I hear. Yeah. That, which is pretty, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not that we weren't here before, but it worked what, how they wanted us to act and how they wanted us to think it worked. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty amazing when this is happening and then you have shit like, uh, I think it was CNN or MSNBC appropriate to nothing other than the genocide going on, uh, firing their Muslim spokespeople Mm -hmm. because they said they don't want to, you know, slant the, the conversation. They don't want there to be too much bias. There are definitely none of these, uh, Brooklyn by way of, uh, Israel Jews involved in those networks. So, uh, yeah, no, we would hate to slant that. And also we're just, you know, maybe new listeners to us, although this is Patreon first, so you know who we are, but we're not talking about anything about Judaism. This has nothing to do with that. No, we can, well, here, we can get it out of the way quick. It's the thing that is, you know, the easiest and fastest way to say this, I think, is, as with many groups, uh, Israel is not the monolith of Judaism. (laughs) Uh, You know, there are a lot of Jews in the world, um there are a lot of jews who feel all sorts of different ways about things just like all groups of people um so when we're talking about the state of israel we're not talking about the jewish population of the world as a singular organism right you know (laughs) we're talking about the 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 morons in hollywood who are so easily manipulated by this i mean amy schumer has been doing the funniest ones uh, yeah hers of really hold it up it's good yeah she's kind of an artist when it comes to this kind of uh verbal diarrhea <laughs> let's 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 pull them up here let's see what this this is talking about i'll cut that so <laughs> because of all things today no with every go in the world we cannot insult community it's all cut i cut it all it's fine you can't have that today not of this day Oof. so uh here we go we have amy schumer saying well she had I, she had another thing before which was just stupid but this one is like kind of you know perfect she says first they came for lgbtq and i stood up because love is love then they came for immigrants and I stood up because families belong together. When they came for the black community and I stood up because black lives matter. Then they came for me because, but I stood alone because I am a Jew. Mm. Wow. I had not heard that one. Kind of great, right? Wow. Kind of great that that's happening, you know. She does that at the same time that Reuters could not say who killed their own journalist. Like we, I'm just, I don't know. I hate to say this, but what a win for the (laughs) theorists of the world right now because uh, yeah, yeah. uh, Seeing all this is is really disgusting, and it's definitely a true mood uh, killer, which is the slightest way to put it but you know what's that shit too like obviously you know 
forever and still right now there are truly a lot of horrible horribly anti-semitic people in the world doing horrible things and then once again it worked <laughs> where the powers that be have people in a tizzy saying if you don't support the state of israel right now that means you are an anti-semite so once yeah. again, we uh, continue to bury the possibility of actual possible conversation or change in the world uh, in, yeah. uh, in favor of social media. Well, you know, it's and like the writers. Well, the writer, yeah. I mean, the writers go on to say um, that this is such a complex issue. They say, when terrorists invaded Israel to murder, rape, and kidnap Jews, the guild stayed silent. It remains the only major Hollywood union to do so. The DGA condemned the attacks. I do not want to know who signed that letter. Uh, mm -hmm. Hollywood studios have issued a lot of public statements and memos. Most notably, they're that dummy Dana something. I already lost the article. But Dana Golden, I think. Wolden. I don't know. She's she's sending out shit. So let's see. Eli Roth. What did he say? He says the conflict between Israel and the Palestinian people is complex and full of nuance. Ugh. So much nuance there. Just it's just ripe with complications. But the crimes committed on October 7th were simple and cruel. If we cannot stand up to call it what it is, a monstrous act of barbarity, then we have lost the plot. The WGA says we stand against the growing spread of anti-Semitism here in the U.S. and abroad and remain committed to our actions, words, and deeds supporting the Jewish people. Uh, SAG did something they said, uh, yeah, for the murder and kidnapping of civilians in response to the Hamas's attack on Israel. And, you know, that's these are celebrities who are very tapped into the world. They know uh, what's going on. Certainly Israel has never done anything like this in response to Palestine <laughs> ever. Um, suffice to say that going back to the 19, late 1940s and through the 50s, you could be shot for trying to journey back to your home in Palestine or the village you were born in if you became one of the Israel-Palestines. Um yeah, this shit has been going on forever. We're not the smartest people, so we're not going to go on a deep explanation of it. Uh, but it, it, suffice to say, there is no complexity. There is no nuance. This is uh, a full-on genocide happening right at the tips of our fingers for us to click and read about every day. And uh, we could list the atrocities. It's bad. I mean, aid aid workers are being bombed. They're being tricked into saying they can evacuate and then bombed by airplanes. You got Biden saying he saw babies get decapitated, which is untrue. I mean, you. I'd, I'd like to think we got smarter after 9-11 and being able to, like, tell this bullshit when we see it. Um, and I think people have. I think people in general. But... The people are not the ones controlling the message. It's the media, MSNBC, MSNBC, CNN, all these studios. They're the same, same fucking muck monsters they've always been. So, um, I guess the question is: Do you think that the messaging works still? Do you think more people can still believe that Israel is 
fully in the right and justified in their uh, retaliation. Unfortunately, yes. You know, because it's it's a it's uh, it's again that timing. You know, the 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 very active dumbing down of this country has been happening for a long time. I guess forever, but really aggressively once they realized they could, you know, own different social media platforms and all of that, and very directly control and track everything that we do. I think. I think it works. It works. You know, it fucking sucks, but I think it works. So I, I'm, uh, yeah, I think it's going to get real nasty um, outside of the, you know, horrific things that are already happening actually there. Um, I think it's going to really uh, get people to make a lot of fucked choices. Yeah. Whether like- it, whether someone's simply posting things or it's people who start to do things in the real world. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we, the sad truth is we live in a country that actively supplies this sort of terrorism. And I mean, the terrorism coming from Israel and, you know, we're, we're most of our relief efforts are put to that. And I guess this is, you're probably wondering there are smarter podcasts that can comment on this. I don't need these, these two notes. <laughs> yeah. But here's where it does dovetail. If you want to uh, go buy a digital copy of uh, The New Little Mermaid, well, that money could literally be part of a $2 million package of humanitarian relief going to Israel and the surrounding region from Disney. Disney is doing quite an amazing job of, uh, of supplying them. Uh, they, yeah, two million dollar donation, um, two million from Comcast, a million from Skydance, and then Disney gave an additional one million to an affiliate of the International Federation of Red Cross and other nonprofit organizations that provide aid to children in Israel. Oh, I'm sure that's going to the children in Israel. Oh yeah, for sure. Those also, poor children. Classic Disney. Porn. That $3 million is what they make, you know, approximately every two hours. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> just even if it actually were going to literally aid for children affected, uh, that's a, a measly sum coming from these, you know, these monsters. And we'll take it. Give them nothing. They don't need any more money. Israel, the Israel project is is done. I think we can close the books on that. It's that shit too. I was talking with someone yesterday about it, and they were like, "So you are saying that it's awesome that people were killed at that, you know, concert?" And I was like, "Jesus, no! Stop watching the news <laughs> that you're coming at me like that." By the yeah. way, <laughs> like, yeah, fucking Christ. Of course, of course. I'm not saying yay, kill people, duh, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> but I am saying this is, you know, this didn't come out of nowhere. This didn't, this was not unprovoked. This was not, you know, again, it does, it's a long, a long, brutal history 
of things that are the the pot is boiling over as they say um you know yeah israel's been knocking at that door for quite a while and it opened and i'm not saying yeah it's like it's not a good thing but it's also like we have to look at i feel like the sum total of it all and yeah. all it took was a uh, something like this to you know essentially open the door for Netanyahu to do what he's always wanted to do because they just had someone on CNN this morning talking about this soldier being like yeah it was about Hamas but now it's about every civilian so you know when anyone says it's about Hamas that's not what they're talking about but again we don't need to tell you this you all are smart you all understand what's happening in this world and um you understand why people like Fran Drescher and SAG are now coming out to say, let's support Israel. Let's condemn the bloodthirsty savages of Palestine. Language I do, is important. Always. I wonder if this is going to help with their deal. Yeah. Well, because I'm sure, because, right, the, the fucking New World Federation of streamers we're talking about uh all those most of those people are also the ones you mentioned making donations mm-hmm. all of these things so it's the organization that uh you know is basically like a buzzing fly that's been annoying you for a while is like hey we also will agree with you if you <laughs> will sign these fucking contracts and give us better lunches we will definitely do a statement as a whole <laughs> yeah i mean yeah, i can like it I do think so. I think the strike woes, as far as getting things, you know, signed and all that, will this will help with that? Um, obviously, that won't mean the deals are actually good or ethical. Still, just like everything they're doing is not ethical. So. No. Um, oh, we have a new. Oh, we got a new article on this. WGA silence on Israel attacks called out publicly by showrunners. Oh, I love that these fucking morons over at Deadline are just working themselves into a tizzy with this today. Oh, this just went up. Let's take a look. So it says, over a week after Israel was brutally attacked by Hamas terrorists, a number of showrunners today publicly called out the Writers Guild for their silence on the matter. These fuckers at the Writers Guild with their silence. Oh, I've had enough of them. They're finally doing the smartest thing they've ever done in their time, you know, as a mouthpiece and uh, called out for it. Um, so today in an open letter. What? God damn it. Go ahead. No, okay. Go ahead. Today in an open letter posted to Medium, a fantastic publication, senior showrunners mm-hmm. expressed disappointment that the WGA has not spoken. They said, when it comes to taking a stand, the WGA is always led by example. When employers sought to exploit our work, they bravely stood up. When BLM took flight, yeah, it took flight. It took flight right out of this world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When the Me Too reckoning came and Hollywood needed to change, and then kind of did, the guild spoke up. So, but when the terrorists invaded Israel to rape, murder, and kidnap, they stayed silent. So... You have all these people, we talked about Eli Roth and all these people whose names sound fake uh, signing on to it. Um, And they go on to say um, a number of showrunners have been reaching out to their leaders over the past week, pestering them essentially about the lack of a public statement. Can you imagine? Leave the the fucking, leave the guild. 
to leave the fucking guild. They just also won you a fucking They just won you a new deal. Um, but no, you have people. I don't know. Can you imagine like getting a call from like the showrunner of like Rizzolian Isles or like Bones <laughs> calling you up to be like, I don't know why. Well, I'm not gonna do that. I don't know why you're. <laughs> I just I, I oh god this fucking shit too I wanna I'm sorry guys look if if the guild's purpose is to be a like a voice in the world when things like this happen then I'm sorry I'm gonna ask all of you to be mad about everything so I'm gonna ask all these actors and writers right now to demand from their the mouthpieces at the top of their unions to speak out against what you know happens to Hong Kong on the regular um you know sorry like <laughs> why is it it's i uh i know that's a that's a fucking tired ass thing to say but if what you actually care about is the idea that speaking out against something could be of positive benefit then why are you not bothering them to speak out about things like this that happen uh you know often around the world right like, yes the death toll the measurable death toll right now is higher technically than some of the things we're talking about but also that doesn't take into account all the people that disappear from hong kong all the time or again many other places you know yeah. just saying i don't i think it's again i think it's people it's the it's the pressure and it's the performance and i don't think it has anything to do with worrying about those people who were killed no <laughs> do no, not it really doesn't <laughs> now when you have fran drescher out there you know boasting that she helped raise like something like 80 million for some Israeli effort. And it's just like, oh, which God. effort, Frank? It, it, yeah, which yeah. Effort it? yeah, I have a feeling that, 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 that metadata since you guys worked out a deal. Let's see the, let's see all the, <laughs> all the rounded off numbers from that deal and where they went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love that. I mean, considering that, like, yeah, they seem to be taking the same stance as that Dana Walden said when she sent the staff memo saying that the worst attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. This is the worst attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust? I mean, there's could be I mean, actually there's might be a level of truth there, but like No, I think it is. I think it technically is. As far as that's why I mentioned numbers, I think it technically is. Um but again, I do think that is language that was that went through quite a few hands no, and was delivered to them to say in exactly that way, to use the words that, you know, make your brain start fucking spinning and change your ability to see straight um, so that there's no potential for a different opinion, you know. But I believe I believe that is true. It's just, it's again, the, like the why like truth and not truth is mattering less and less in this world because uh it doesn't really matter if that is true as far as the delivery because the goal is just to incite blind rage the goal is not to highlight the fact that that that's you know that's a real thing yeah hey it's hollywood they're the dream machine they know how to do this better than anyone yep so um yeah, and then we got Tarantino taking pics with like Israelis, like IDF members. 
which I got to say, there's one of the things that bothers me the most about Israel. How are all their IDF women so smoking? By design. Yeah. By design. Yeah. Listen, if I yeah, were, I, think, I, I know who uh, I would, I know who I'd be kidnapping first. God damn it. <laughs> you had to get in one, huh? Well, that one I'm not beeping, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh. No, it is funny. They're always like just like 10 out of 10s, like in these photos. Yeah, you use, you use supermodels for your ad campaigns, you know? It's a it's a, a method that has worked as long as humans started realizing they could capture images of things. Yeah, here's <laughs> the ten- people. Here's the tenets of the new Israeli policy. Put your hottest people out front, check, guys and girls, and in the in between, they're all hot, and they always put them front front and center. Babe, heavy, <laughs> babe, babe, heavy. The other tenant is if you're a celebrity, you have to immediately tweet something positive about Israel upon once you arrive. That is true. There have been many people who have spoken events like being pressured to do that. Um, even if you don't do that, Israel will start saying you did that, like they did with Tarantino, a fake account by a 25 year old the people assumed to be tarantino started talking about all this shit we can it is. it's the way it is and we can all think of the day that young people stopped giving a shit about the strikes <laughs> so they've they have fully killed that and also will you found out some very interesting thing about insurance yeah. from a stag member you want to tell us that real quick just so People aren't yeah, too upset so, over SAG people losing uh, support from the public right now. Yeah, so this, um, they'll remain nameless, of course, but I was talking to someone who's been a member of SAG for decades. Um, and when they started telling this story, they said, I will also continue to be, just to be clear, you know, they've done a lot of good things for me over the years, they said, but, um, <laughs> and this was in regards to talking about some of the stranger uh, supposed restrictions that actors had to be under during these uh, these um, negotiations. And this person said, well, I'm gonna do what I want. I will remain a member, I will keep paying my dues. If they wanna kick me out, for making appearances they can and then i will remind them the fact that since i've been a member of sag i have never had health insurance from them and of course i was like wait what the fuck i don't what do you mean and they said well so it turns out one of the rules that people don't like to talk about for sag is that every quarter uh you have to make at least thirty thousand dollars to be uh to potentially get insurance through SAG. So that means you have to make over 100K a year, quite a bit over 100K a year to get insurance from this union. Um, And of course that immediately wipes out, I can't imagine how high the percentage is of SAG members as despite what it seems like for those of us just watching media, um, the vast majority of actors do not do well and they hustle and that's why they do so many TV appearances and random little roles in movies they maybe don't even like because they most of them do not get big roles and do not get insane paychecks like the very few do. Um, 
So yeah, it was just interesting to know that uh, SAG is really <laughs> definitely not 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 taking care of the ones who need it the most. That's for sure. I mean, who needs health insurance? Yeah, definitely not this person with uh, two children. Um, you know, no, get it together, work harder. You know, I just yeah. mentioned there's shows like Rizzoli and Isles and Bones. You should try to get on that, and if you can't, that's a failure. <laughs> your work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is fucking blew blew my fucking mind. To be honest, I mean that is also that's that's a lot of fucking money. Can you imagine how uh, much less you and I would be at risk of the impending strokes and heart attacks that are coming um, as we try to survive doing this dumb shit? Um, If we made thirty thousand dollars a quarter. We would both be <laughs> we could like start a fucking country of our own. That's so much money, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, no. just not. Do you know? I don't. I don't think I've ever been like friends with anyone who makes one hundred and twenty k a year. <laughs> that's a lot of. That's a lot of money. Like, that's a good spot to be in, even living in Los Angeles. But it's just crazy that 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 the line is so extreme. Because when they first started talking to me about it. I thought what they were saying was $30 um, like every two quarters or 30,000 every two quarters. And I still would kill to make 60 grand a year. Don't get me wrong, but I thought that's what they were saying. And they said, no, 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 <laughs> 120. So yeah. no insurance for you, uh, for you scummy, you know, character actors out there. Sorry. No, you have to rely uh, on us getting in contact with you to make appearances for our dumb shows. <laughs> yeah. so, so you know just, just a reminder again how how great the media fucking works you know even though yes like we said this person is still very pro-union as i would say are we um but you know just to, to keep keep in mind always usually the people running these things still don't actually fucking care that much about <laughs> everyone involved like they pretend they do so Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> and how. <laughs> and how. Woo. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um all right. Yeah, I, no, it's kind of, of yeah, we've talked enough. I, mean, I don't know what else we can add that, about all this. So let's let's try to take this anger, this fury that we're conjuring right now, and let's let's have a little more fun with it. It's a little hard to have fun with what we were talking about. Well, with SAG, it's easy, but like the other shit going on in the world we can't really apply our same uh justice to it you know our our, our little <laughs> we can't give it our personal flavor because it's a little too hard to put into our small brains so we're gonna just uh not depress ourselves yeah so we'll go we'll go out on a uh, lighter note um what <laughs> somewhat lighter note i mean it's funny this is just if you want to know where these idiots are and you know this guy's definitely posting support of israel somewhere on the internet right now um yeah this is an article from by some guy named ray green uh yeah ray green who is hard to find on the internet i think you're a member of the los angeles film critics and I, I think- hope so. This fucking dude, when you sent me the picture too, I was like, 
maybe I do know that guy, but he truly just looks like every fucking sweaty cunt, like white film critic that I met when I was in Los Angeles. So it's really hard because his head looks like a penis. He wears a fedora and he wears suits that he definitely thinks look super cool and expensive, but really they just look like they smell like taint. So I mean, yeah, I mean, this polo tie with his fucking like his fucking Stetson cap. Jesus Christ. What is wrong with some of these film critics? I mean, I understand kind of now why we need to just annihilate all these film critics' careers and let these there's so there's so few left yeah there's not many left so also it's it's an industry that doesn't work the bottom falls out once social media exists regardless of how you feel about all that shit you know that's how you that's how you killed something like that so it has been killed i would say oh it's been killed and it's been pissed on so by this dude who definitely likes to get pissed on by the way oh my god for sure yeah so yeah ray green he is the article is the author of an article called hey kids get off martin scorsese's lawn the oscar-winning art auteur continues to shake his fist at the marvel gods but he's fighting a war he's already lost now when you click on his name on the av club website you're not allowed to click on it that's really weird but if you find another article he's written, you can click on it. Uh, it links to some other articles, some really dumb shit that he's written. But like, it also mostly links to something called Project Veritas. Hmm. Now, if you have any, uh, <laughs> that's my favorite when you say "now" in that tone because I know. I know some heat is coming. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's just that's the the cue to get you thinking. So, no, no, let's get that. Project Veritas was a conservative group set up by a lot of those never Trumpers we spoke about earlier. I'm forgetting the main guy who looked it up. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna give you the full rundown of Project Veritas. You know how to Google. You can click it, but. We, I also cannot accurately like connect it to this guy. It's just weird that his only social media link is for a link to the old Project Veritas. Yeah. So we don't know if it's just someone fucked up or someone hated him and wanted to mean, or the other option, that's what he wanted. So we don't know, but it is, it's curious. <laughs> Maybe he's a subversive artist. Yeah, he looks like one. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's see if we can tell if he's subversive or not. I think if we read some of his work, we might be able to tell. We're going to read this whole one because, oh boy, this was only published five hours ago, too. So I'm sure the Internet's having a field day with this one. So because this is really, really funny. I mean, this is this is what we're waiting for every day. So here we go. There's a new Martin Scorsese movie coming out. So, of course, it's time for another round of the esteemed the esteem filmmakers King Lear-like rants against Marvel Entertainment and superhero movies as an existential threat to the art of cinema, Western civilization, and the very act of movie going itself. Damn, my man knows King Lear. Yeah. <laughs> the story is starting with... King Lear-like? In what way, my friend? Please educate me on how he's acting like King Lear. 
he sounded cool saying that. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to leave that. Well, that's why you, that's why I think this picture is real because dudes uh, at this age who look like this and wear fedoras with pride definitely say shit like that at parties to try to get 19 year olds to have sex with them at 100 what's funny is he's saying that these tirades these king lear like tirades are you know being spouted you would think you know as an intelligent person you would then maybe not quote him because once you immediately read the quotes it's like what what is he these are king lear tirades i don't even know what that means like what does he what does he mean by that oh. It's just he took a popular character from fiction who's a bit of a grump and, uh, you know, yeah. put him in there. So anyway. But also, you, you know, I love I love Marty's uh, uh, quiver speed speech patterns always. Um, I certainly would not compare them to <laughs> King Lear in delivery, content, tone, anything. <laughs> hey, you know what? He does like his daughter. So maybe he is like King Lear. <laughs> So getting a raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So going on with this brilliant article, he says, in a recent GQ interview to promote Killers of the Flower Moons, Scorsese reiterates points he made in 2019 while promoting his Snorefest, The Irishman. (laughs) I guess I I've literally skipped over Snorefest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't sleep on the Snorefest. So snorry. Oh, I fell asleep all four times I watched that movie. It was so I mean, this guy has a YouTube channel called Snorefest. <laughs> okay, I'm not even gonna if you've seen the Irishman. All right. So <laughs> Marvel <laughs> so, this guy goes on to say after calling the Irishman a Snorefest. Okay, let me take this point. The Irishman obviously is meant to comment. It's like Scorsese commenting on the humdrumness of the violence in his movies. So he's like talking about like this is this has none of the pomp and the the, the fireworks that I made, you know, kinetic in like Goodfellas, especially like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking this further, which he did do with Casino. But now he's kind of taking it to this like. It's a sad reflection on this guy who lived this life, who oversaw the fucking, who knows who killed JFK, who knows who killed, you know, Hoffa. That's what the movie's about. Anyway, I'll stop. Yep. So, um, well, and it, look, if this dude clearly is a, in a long line of men like him who just want every movie to be good fellas over and over forever from marty and otherwise so anything outside of that is clearly a snore fest <laughs> well he's telling on himself because he rants against toxic masculinity so oh amazing yeah we'll get sounds to like that it's gave, so good hmm, sounds like so so good. one so that good. talks about that in general and you still now you that's boring to you interesting yep. so let's we got a long way to go here so here we go <laughs> continues by saying Marvel films are corrupting the audience by addicting them to theme park movies. So he's quoting Scorsese here. He says, Scorsese says that there will be generations now that think movies are only that, that that's what movies are. He says, studios are not really interested any longer in supporting individual voices that express their personal feelings or their personal thoughts on a big budget. And what's happened now is that they pigeonholed it to what they call indies. 
So he, so this guy's next line paragraph down, howl, 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 howl. Was that meant to be funny? Was that a joke? I think so. I guess only a Stetson hat wearing f- would say something like that. So. <laughs> it, uh, God damn it. Um, so he says, <laughs> so he goes on to say, there are plenty of reasons to be appalled by Marvel movies, especially in their unfocused and overproduced recent incarnations. Oh, okay. Um, Marty may not have noticed, but the guaranteed audience for these films is already tiring of them, and it's been drastically shrinking. Eternals and Ant-Man were outright flops, and lots of fans seem to have grudge match or grudge watch movies like Thor, Love and Thunder, and Doctor Strange 2. Meanwhile, the DCEU continues to be a mishmash of money-losing and wildly unpopular films, fluke successes, and movies that perform regardless of quality because they feature the Batman. So, again, you know, he, he mostly talks about that paragraph. He's saying, well, yeah, obviously people are just tired of stuff like The Eternals and Ant-Man and the Wasp, which I thought were quite good. Uh, everything else they've done up until this point has been a success. Unlike the DCU, who just makes mishmash of unfocused flukes. Do I smell someone being paid by a certain studio? Because this is always the thing with these fucking idiots is the Marvel movies are fine. I mean, maybe there's too much of them, too much of a good thing. But the DC <laughs> have just been an outright failure. And they're they're the ones actually like causing this uh, people to get yeah. bored. I think it, he gives me the vibe that it's not. I don't think he's on a payroll, but I think he is really jonesing to be. I think that's the goal. Because, right, you know that, like you said, you title an article this, anything with old Scorsese and the Marvel verse will blow up on the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what so this, is, this by is, by the way. Yeah. Really, yeah, this is a dude really being like, hey, Marvel, I could help. <laughs> people really, people really trust me in my fedora, so I could really get some defenses going against people like Martin. Well, clearly this guy has not worked in a while. I would like, I would assume that he is, uh, he is, it's been a minute. So he's, because a little bit of cobwebs on this writing. (laughs) Well, considering his pedigree of everywhere he's worked, uh, like TCM and Yahoo and all these places, he's now found himself at the wholly defunct, and I don't think anyone can define AV Club anymore. So yeah, entirely, entirely Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. It's no yeah, longer people like this. Very cool. It's no longer the Chicago treat. Yeah, it is home to this person. <laughs> so, so let's go on. He says, but to act like theme park movies are a new phenomenon deserving of fresh and universal agita is disingenuous. Oh, this, oh my God. I'm going to, I just want to center myself before I continue reading because I feel it. I feel it coming <laughs> in the air. To me. He says, this is disingenuous coming from a filmmaker who has had Steven Spielberg and George Lucas on speed dial for over 40 years. All right, pause. Here comes Mr. History, <laughs> someone who literally has probably read Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and that's about oh, 
Yeah, and that's about the extent of their knowledge of the 70s or these films. So he says, the war, the war Scorsese wants filmmakers to wage was either lost decades ago or maybe never existed. It arguably began in 1977 when the freakish holdover success of Star Wars drove William Friedkin's dark action noir. Oh, it's so noir. Masterpiece Sorcerer out of theaters. This guy loves sand noir, by the way. He loves using it's like a film noir. Um I'm surprised he didn't call it a neo noir though. They love yeah, that too. Right, right, right. As if film noir is actually a thing. I think that's another lie we've all sucked down is just saying film noir without thinking. Could uh, just be yeah. could just be 1950s American expressionism if you'd like to use such a thing. But sure. yeah. No, no more. We'll do that on another episode. Okay, so here it goes. Our um, next series, every single film noir movie in history. Is a lie. It's a lie. That's that we're not actually going to talk about any of the movies. We're just going to do a 10-second episode where we say that. It's fine if you want film noir as your shorthand, but it's like, you can't rely on well, it's it. A, it's a good every... descriptor of a style. It's a good way to, like, you know, set people's minds i think in a good direction for certain things but yeah i mean it's an it's a it's an overstretch but that's okay i'm surprised he didn't call out jaws as being the movie that started the block oh, yeah that's how you know he doesn't know fucking history star wars yeah. surely yes was the nail in the coffin but jaws is what did it well and he kind of i mean he says it was steven spielberg so it's also like yeah he, he's not smart enough to even name check that but it, if he did name check it, you know, he would just say that Jaws was this blockbuster that like ruined Hollywood, which is the cool kids thing to say when it's like Jaws is one of the most perfect movies ever created and no one will like, ever Jaws is amazing. And then that movie ever. Also, yeah. 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 So he What's said, the classic? it's the classic. We can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. We're given a really nice, well budgeted, uh, stunning movie. A crowd pleaser, a, good, said, a perfect crowd pleaser. And their reaction was, wow, that's incredible. I never want to watch a sad movie again. And then Star Wars came. So here we are. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not all, it's not little baby at the time Stevie's fault. Sorry. No. Mr. And here's how Mr. you know think he's just truly reading a Wikipedia page. He goes to say, the battle pretty much ended almost literally in a cloud of dust by 1980. When Michael Cimino's anti-capitalist Western Heaven's Gate lost 20% of its running time just before blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Look at this guy. He name check Heaven's Gate. What a, that's crazy. Wow. God. He also doesn't he want to really expand. Criteria. Yeah, he doesn't want no. to expand on why that was the reason it was and uh, other things that kind of also took a fall due to shit like star wars but no so he says scorsese more than anybody ought to know what a long-standing problem the theme parkification of cinema is because he's always had trouble finding an audience what <laughs> the problem is okay so he's going to go into numbers here like nerds like this like to do but the problem what we're not talking about is obviously not box office numbers the point is these movies were not box off successes on like Raging Bull on the scale of Star Wars, but people went in droves to see Raging Bull. Yes, it did well. It did. I mean, he well. highlights that it, 
it didn't like double its money, but it made it back and then some on a really brutally, <laughs> brutally sad, not actually boxing movie, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah. So he says it was bracketed on either side by two of Scorsese's many outright fiscal fiascos. Though he loved writing that. The anti-musical <laughs> New York, New York or Raging Bull with a saxophone. Shut the fuck up. And the disturbing. Also, that's not an, sorry, I can't. We can't skate by him calling that an anti-musical. It's the exact opposite. He, Marty just failed at making a musical. <laughs> it's, not, yes. it's not an anti-musical. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could look at it as musical by way of Vincent Minnelli doing American in Paris and also being able to do some came running. So. Yep. Yes, um, precisely. But he uh, he talks about Raging Bull earned twenty four million at the box office on an eighteen million budget. Audiences clearly hated it. Then he clearly he had a problem finding an audience. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, did terrible. Yeah. Um, so he says New York, New York came out in nineteen seventy seven, the year of Star Wars. Raging Bull flopped in nineteen eighty, the year of Empire Strikes Back. The king of comedy failed in a marketplace dominated by E. T. In other words. Scorsese, who is in the process of briefly becoming unbankable, must have noticed what was going on. Well, unfortunately, back then, Empire Strikes Back and Star Wars movies were good. So maybe they were dominating the box office, but they don't look and feel like today. These are not theme park movies also. E.T. wouldn't call that a theme park movie. That's a horribly And that's what kills me even... Because I'm, you know, I'm one of those annoying dweebs. Like, I'm not that big of a fan of Star Wars... But if we're if I'm if you give me the option to watch A New Hope or Iron Man One, I'm going to choose the one that's a movie, <laughs> like a, a real movie, which is Star Wars. They were real movies still, and there was no formula. Also, let's be clear on that too. That's the that's a big difference. Is there mm-hmm. was not a formula wrote out of what box to check. This was a nerdy fucking used to be experimental filmmaker who was like man i fucking love cereals <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just not it's just not it's a stupid comparison it doesn't make any sense yeah they're not born from the same bog no like they're uh, they literally very intensely creative hungry lovers of film that made some good ass movies that took hold of people so <laughs> damn this ray green guy is so fucking smart because he really like he, we might have to do an Armand Armand deep dive on this motherfucker if we can find more shit on him. <laughs> yeah, if he were of that, if he were as interested as Armand, this guy is just no. a fucking shit stain on the road. So yeah, um, I'm not convinced this guy watches movies. Armand yeah. does. He just uh, is a maniac now. <laughs> yeah, and we're here for it. So yes, he basically goes on to be like, yeah, I don't know why. Uh, the the high concept escapism marty's personal pal steven and george pioneered and post on the movie going world killed serious movie artists not just scorsese but francis ford coppola robert altman friedkin chimino bogdanovich and paul mazursky okay <laughs> wait i see i skated past the bogdanovich and does he really say mazursky <laughs> Does he really? Uh-huh. That's who he ends it on. He ends it on Paul That's amazing. Mazursky. Like, 
Yeah, you know, Bogdanovich and Mazursky, known for their uh, big-budget escapist movies throughout their whole career. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, my man, sorry, God. Man. Thanks for killing Mazursky, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, boy, I mean, he was cooking for a while there. The The world was just hanging on for every Paul Mazursky movie to come out. I mean... Yeah. yeah, that's such a weird. Oh god, this dude's so stupid. It's great. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, unmarried woman would have been a gigantic success if, uh, if not for Star Wars. <laughs> if Star Wars hadn't come out, unmarried woman would have stayed in theaters for eight years. <laughs> yeah, I've always oh. been thinking that Tempest and scenes from a mall never really got their proper due due, due to uh, due to Star Wars. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> See, again, that's why this guy's so much fun, though, because it, I mean, shit like that, you know, all the fan scenes from them all. But again, this is all just a non-starter. It's a completely unrelated to things what he's talking were, <laughs> Things were so beautiful when Bob Carroll, Ted, and Alice came out. You know, that was just a time when uh, Alex, yeah, and and when Alex in Wonderland could top the box office. Yep. I remember waiting in line when Bob and Carol came out. And I had to wait for two days to get in because it was so busy. It's just like everyone wants to know if these couples are going to fuck. <laughs> All right. We got to be moving on. So, uh, Ray Green. Ray, Ray Green. That was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> Scorsese. I almost said Ray Pride earlier, by the way. Which I'm I, sure he doesn't look on the show, but I keep almost yeah. saying Ray Pride. <laughs> Well, I'll pop over to Rainbow Club tonight. I'm sure Ray, Ray will be in his, uh, his booth like he always is. And I'll, maybe he knows this guy. Yeah, maybe. So Ray Green goes on to say, Scorsese's response was to briefly return to his indie origins. After all this box office, you know, fiasco of these movies coming out. Not like maybe there was just a new surge happening of like another type of movie coming in, but... No, it's the theme parkification. So he, because of this theme parkification that he will not acknowledge from his own peers, this lying bastard, um, <laughs> he decided to make a micro-budgeted black comedy called Office Hours that barely became the first box office success he'd known since Taxi Driver. The indie also, world- real quick, like micro-budgeted is a strong word for that. That's a that's a that's a hyperbolic way to say a low budget, a small budget, smaller budget, but micro budget is pretty extreme for after hours. Yeah, I don't know if a micro budget movie would be throwing a camera off a balcony attached to a rope just to achieve two seconds, three seconds of screen time. That's not what I mean. My- it might, it might have, it might have, but you know, it, it just wasn't. It just wasn't a, a micro budget movie would risk throwing one of their cameras <laughs> over the side of a building. Truly micro budgeted, yes, because they're they hit their That's star micro- possibly in the face <laughs> <laughs> to just nail Griffin Dunn with a fucking Bolex. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, God. All right, so yeah, the micro budgeted after hours. So the indie world he judges as creatively inadequate in his latest GQ interview, 
rescued his career, and then he partnered with major stars Tom Cruise and Paul Newman and saved himself some more with the theme parkification movie Color of Money. He doesn't say that theme park, but he's insinuating he decided to go fully mainstream and make the Color of Money. His terrible, again, his terrible, but Oscar-winning follow-up to Robert Rawson's downbeat classic, The Hustler. It's terrible. It's also terrible because it is a theme parkification. I and you know you could put. I round up children all the day on the street, teens, and I'm like, "Yo, you guys like bloody?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm smoking dabs over here." Uh, you want to watch a cool, uh, basically a, a Disney movie? Why don't you sit down, and grab the dab rig, and uh, I'm gonna pop off a hundred gex, and we're gonna put on the color of money. And you guys are gonna, you gotta flip out. You're gonna be tweeting about color of money all day. I mean, I will say though, if we if we if we genuinely uh, dabbed and then watched color color of money, we probably would lose our shit every time the camera is, uh, you know, becoming the billiard ball. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> pretty cool. Every time it whips <laughs> around that fucking table. Oh my god. Yep. Yeah, I, I, Marvel shot if I've ever seen it. Yeah, very. And same cinematographer as uh, most Marvel movies too. So it's just, yeah, it's true. It's just as bland, visually bland. Not that it literally is the making of a bland product. Actually, interesting due to its director, but sure. So here we yeah. go. Who also had to fight Paul Newman at every turn? Sorry, I digress. Yeah, right, right, right. We'll, get, in the, we'll get into that sometime. Popcorn yeah. King is not to be. Yeah. With on wanted, set. yeah. There's a, there's someone you can say wanted theme park movies. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, so Gray, I can't say his name. Gray, Ray Green goes on to say, <laughs> there was no era where the major studios were systematically willing to underwrite personal films on the blockbuster scale Scorsese fantasizes about. We got to move through this article, but it's just at every turn, at every turn. Um, he's just it's one of those rare times where it's so delicious because he's just like he really keeps bordering on just being objectively wrong about everything he's saying. Like it's not it, so little of this is opinion based. This dude just doesn't know what he's talking about. You're at a tax incentives, man. Like it was a different yeah, time. Dude, when like studios were doing this, like it's there were, uh, you know, and you're wrong. Yes, there was not a movie budgeted at the scale of Avengers Endgame that was a personal movie, but that's because this model of movie making has never existed before. Heaven's Gate over budget, Ishtar budget, <clears throat> throw it in the trash compared yeah. to the money that these people are running up at these studios for no reason. You don't see it with heaven's gate and one from the heart. I see the money on screen. I can go. Wow. I see where that went. Um, So he says uh, after that, he says, yeah, after he was fantasizing about these personal films, he says when they were coming off hits like Godfather or mash or the exorcist, a handful of creators got to roll briefly on an epic scale with house money and borrowed dice. Cool. And when that didn't work out, the house did what it always does. It cut off their line of credit. 
whoa. The big budgets. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's using metaphor. How does he talk like this? Fuck. <laughs> I didn't even think about that this was like a line of credit. The big budget Scorsese demands to be released to personal filmmakers are the cause of the crisis, not the effect. Well, Michael Cimino, thank you for giving us Disney and uh, Star Wars because <laughs> S you made. Um, yep. The cartoon approach to filmmaking Scorsese de decrees was imposed on the universe by some of his closest friends for a blase and self-evident reason because it reliably returns on the investment. This fire, uh, man, I, I don't know. I have to imagine someone paid him other than AV club to write this article because I'm, he's really making hay out of nothing here. He goes on to I say, still, I think because I think he's dumb enough that, you know, I really think it's a tryout. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Cause he goes, so he's, he's not, not <laughs> no, he's, no. He's, a, he's not a writer. <laughs> Get ready for this. All right, so there's two paragraphs left. Get ready for this one. This is just really something of a, of an insane level. He says, Scorsese may not fully realize this because out of all of his contemporaries, he has been the lucky one. Mm. Not Spielberg. Not Schrader, who still somehow is able to get studios to pay for his movies. And, no. and not Lucas, who just sits back and collects checks without doing anything. Not him. Yeah, yeah no. I mean, Scorsese, who's never had to fight for uh, independence or, you know, basically self-fund the entirety of Wolf of Wall Street, um, has lost millions. You know, well, lost him and him and some internet gangsters well yeah <laughs> but for good reason <laughs> no one no one else ponies up you go back to the baddies yeah to expose them hey i like that we're on board with that um he's certainly never faced a, a lot of issues with a studio before oh he was so lucky when he shot gangs of new york yes uh harvey uh yeah, weinstein was so generous to his vision there um so here's where it goes. So he says he's been the lucky one. Here we go. The toxic masculinity his movies either examine or celebrate or, depending on your point of view, has long been taken for artistic seriousness by the testosterone-fueled sociopaths who invented and ran Hollywood for decades. So Scorsese continues to get funded at a scale Superior filmmakers like Coppola and Altman could only dream about. Well, Altman's dead. <laughs> uh, and uh, Coppola doesn't need them. He literally can fund his own movies now off his wine. So he yeah. says he's had a Scorsese's had a couple of major hits Shutter Island and The Wolf of Wall Street, released during DiCaprio, peak DiCaprio, that are among his biggest films, not The Departed, which was his biggest film. But each smash or break <laughs> even has been offset by flops like Gangs of New York. We know why that was. Hugo. Well, again, that, in silence and the Irishman. Well, Hugo and silence were tough sells. You know, you know, Irishman had Netflix behind him. But still, Scorsese gets funded at a high level the way Michelangelo did. Because his name confers prestige 
on the patron. And so he continues to create and fail at a level, a younger and hungrier talent like Damien Chazelle will likely only get to taste <laughs> once. None of this is a recent development and none of this is Marvel's fault. Marvel's Kevin Fade merely perfected a pre-existing system. Even if you're a Marvel hater, it must be grudgingly admitted that escapist fantasies have always been a large part of what movie going is about and that the MCU has given a great deal of pleasure to a whole lot of moviegoers in a crisis haunted time. Thank you, Marvel, for doing mass toxic masculinity on a scale that can be commodified, dumbed down, and easily digested. Yep. We love yeah, it. I know. Old Scorsese just bringing toxic masculinity to the forefront once again. Yep. Not that any of these movies that have kinetic scenes of violence that ultimately show you that at the end of the day, you have to reckon with the Grim Reaper generally or your own moral conscience. There's no come up. If only, if only Raging Bull ended in a way where the character is pathetic, barely alive, and uh, left with nothing because of a life of acting like all men used to. In but unfortunately, it ends, it ends where he's just a hero. So, And you're correct. It is a thriller about a man who is justified <laughs> and has been cheated on constantly by the woman in his life. It's definitely not in his head. She is constantly fucking him over. And I'm just, every time I watch it, I'm like, Jake, oh, get her, Jake. She's lying to you. <laughs> yep. Marty just loves bad dudes and hates good women. That's the, I'd say, I think that's a good log line for his career. What really gets me is the toxic masculinity president, Hugo. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> it's off the. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's, you know, I, gotta bring him back up. Second time we have to talk about Sasha Baron Cohen today, because he also loves bad men and hates good women. That's, and right. that's why he was in Hugo. He said yeah. it that first interview. It's like I just wanted to play a role like Jake LaMotta, but around more children. <laughs> yeah, and there's a very good through line between his station master and Jake LaMotta. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny that this guy's talking about Scorsese is like reheating these leftover statements. It's like, do you not see that you're reheating the toxic masculinity thing that I honestly thought that every denizen of Twitter realized was a stupid thing to say after a month of reflection and was like, eh, never mind, I'll let that one die. But instead, I like that he says his movies either examine or celebrate. Those are the um, only two options. Yes. And it's been uh, taken for artistic seriousness. That's the biggest problem is that I seriously think about his examinations of male masculinity and violence. That is a problem. And we shouldn't be thinking about it. We should be thinking about Iron Man going and killing hordes of people, nameless, faceless people in the uh, in the like pursuit of, I guess, liberty and justice. Mm hmm. And we should celebrate that he got, you know, everyone's uh, favorite radical leftist, Tom Morello, to play one of the soldiers in that movie and provide music for the soundtrack. So it's just more thank you, Marvel, I would say. I certainly wouldn't uh, go on, on a limb to blame Marvel 
for the way we could potentially look at things like the war in Ukraine or what's going on in the Gaza Strip. Yeah, I'm going to have to say that I, I don't think there's a through line there. And I don't think that mass hordes of Americans who go and see these dumb, bland movies and celebrate them uh, in any way could have that meshed into their mind as they read the news and think, oh, well, I'm with the Avengers, a.k.a. Israel, because uh, mm-hmm. we got to defeat these these people who don't give a face. The, the, the news doesn't cover them. Much like these movies that, uh, you know, there's really no close-ups of these enemies being wiped away. They're just kind of defeated. Just Brie Larson saving the world. Oh, I guess I didn't read the final uh, part. I didn't read the last paragraph here. He says, Scorsese is 80 years old. And it galls him to know that the Marvel films through Avengers, Avengers Endgame represent a signature cultural event in the cinema of our time. When Marty is gone and an entire body of work steeped in the belief that toxic masculinity is the organizing principle of the cosmos is reassessed, it will be interesting to see if his highly personal oeuvre can stake the same claim. Damn, that that last paragraph is like when, remember when we bought the wrong cigarettes and it was like the ultralights? Uh Reading that last paragraph is like trying to smoke an ultralight cigarette. You can't tell if it's lit. You're pretty sure you're not blowing any smoke out. (laughs) Because that is one of the emptiest breaths I've ever taken, that last paragraph. (laughs) (sighs) Hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, the more I read this and just think about it, it's like, all right, so these Marvel movies might be steeped in toxic masculinity, but will they? Uh, is your work going to endure like they're going to endure? Yeah, like his final argument being like when Marty dies, everyone will finally be able to, with clear eyed clarity, say, wow, these were terrible for the world. They're terrible films. Thank God Thor 2, God of fucking Thunder or whatever is here to remind us what a true strong and inspirational man looks like free of toxicity. I don't know why we do this. (laughs) I could just not look at this all day, but I guess we care about the people that do read it and would like a little humorous reprieve because I I just think you're not going to stop reading the internet. People are going to keep, remaining plugged in so i guess while while you do that i guess we'll be here oh and also when you keep giving us money and so thank you to uh (laughs) everyone listening to this right now (laughs) yep it's great i I will say i'm shocked how many of you there are and we appreciate it (laughs) it's growing and you're getting us closer to the goal which is killing since since there's so many new people Since for we have all these new folks, it's a good time to remind that we, uh, you know, especially up an episode today, we'll, we we uh, will acknowledge when we made mistakes. Our goth porn episode that went up yesterday, I was too excited and got my dates wrong about some of Roberta Fenley's movies, so I apologize for that. The biggest offense of this episode yet. Because <laughs> if after listening to all of that... Uh, you're like, wow, I need to hear about some actual problems in the world. 
it is that I forgot that mascara came out in 1983. So this is an imperfect world. <laughs> and we're we're all doing our best. So with that, there's our little state of the of the world for you brought by you know us who else <laughs> and uh yeah i guess we'll see you next time to completely blow, blow over all this pretend like it didn't happen and we'll talk about the horror movie or something i guess we'll keep doing that while the world burns and uh try to enjoy yourselves and hope you guys do too <laughs> yeah you'll you'll catch us Dancing on the edge of the world like these Swifties at AMC theaters this week, just in a circle, just sing along. That's how we feel. We feel like the Taylor Swift fans in theater. Right oh, now. we can real quick end on that. The one I sent you is pretty great. That uh, Taylor Swift, um, Sean Sean Levy, who everyone I'm sure is an enormous fan of here. Noted auteur, Sean Libby. Yeah. Noted auteur. I'd actually probably say the auteur. Um, probably won't. But uh, he did like a... The Paul Mazursky of our time right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did an interview where he was in advance and long advance praising Taylor Swift since her directorial debut is imminent. Um, I guess looming really because it does feel like more end times confirmation that Taylor Swift is going to start directing movies. But he said, Don't worry, she has instincts as strong as Spielberg. (laughs) Don't need to say anything about it, just thought you guys would like to know. She's probably really good at filmmaking. I bet. I bet. You know what? I also just Taylor Swift. You're helping revitalize my team right now. I love what you're doing for the community of Kansas City right now. So not really mad at you currently until you break my sweet tight end's heart. So you keep Travis Kelsey happy, and I will keep this show an official Eras Tour sponsor. Okay? No. Nope. Will agreed to it. He signed the paperwork. Nope. He already said it Sounds was fun, and that's <laughs> really where we have to end it. So now that we are currently Swifties, that's me Love and you. Uh, No. Yep. Uh, we got to go, and that's the show. <laughs> so, 